Hey there, folks. Welcome to the Segment Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hill. And hey, if you found this podcast, that means you may have been familiar with the YouTube channel, The Segment. Well, over there, it's all videos and action-packed. Over here, it's taking the guests off of that show and bringing them onto the podcast so we can take a deeper dive into their mindset. Really trying to figure out what makes them tick. Why are they going from the ordinary and moving towards the extraordinary? So, hey, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast, and I hope you enjoy the show, and welcome to the Segment Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Uh, I'm Mark Hill, host of the Segment, and uh, man, guys, as we talked about in the past, there's always uh, segments with regards to trails, and there's always segments with regards to your life. So the segment can encompass many things, and I was lucky enough to make a new friend out on the trails this last weekend, and a really cool guy offered to uh, come on the show, the segment. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joe Duarte. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, Name's Joe Duarte, and I'm uh, here to hang out with you guys for a little bit. (laughs) It's awesome. Joe was... uh, it's funny because Joe and I actually uh, met this weekend. I I uh, I was out riding Greer on a solo, just doing like an appreciation, super chill ride, and um, I ended up going OTB on a trail called Overdrive. And I haven't gone OTB on on those trails <laughs> yet. But what it did is it slowed up my time, and um, I ended up going over to a trail called Jumping Mouse. And as I got over to Jumping Mouse. Uh, Joe was actually heading a different direction, Joe, and, and MTB Flow had asked you to head over that direction. Yeah, it was actually, um, you know, we, we caught up in the beginning, right, with Arturo for MTB Flow. And um, I I was just kind of, I haven't been on the bike a lot in the last month and a half, so I was just like cruising, right, just, just cruising down trails and just wanted to get a pedal in. And um, I wasn't actually going to do jumping miles, was I finished overdrive. And then they were like, let's ride the wall, you know, the short little steep chute going up to overdrive. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll come along. And then after we hit the wall, they were like, oh, let's go to Jumping Mouse. And I wasn't going to go to Jumping Mouse because I saw everyone was taking dirt samples, right? Like, <laughs> everyone had like dirt on their, on their everyone was going down. Like it was real dusty. It was real, it was, it was real, it was real slick that day. So I was like, you know, I might not try to push my luck. Right. So you know, I maybe not want to pedal up because it was getting it was hot too. So I was like, I'll just hit jumping mouse because not much of a climb and and it's always a fun little rip down. So yeah, end up end up uh, linking up with Mark and um, caught each other like right at the beginning of the trail. Yeah, and um, he had some follow cam. Yep. Yeah, I. Uh, it was funny because I. I'm, I'm sitting there ready to drop in with uh, there was a group and there was a guy that was injured because he had a dirt sample as well. And, and Joe and I were kind of thinking like, let's everybody just let, let this all the bad juju clear out. <laughs> let all these people go down. And uh, I lo- he looked over at me and I had dirt all over me. And I said, I, I had a dirt sample earlier. And uh, I was hoping that that was par for the course that I had already met my quota. <laughs> um, but yeah, just started talking to Joe and uh the great thing about this sport is you just don't know who you're talking to. Um, what all you know is that uh, it, you meet someone. They're super cool. They're rad riders, and you can have a great time uh, with them. So Joe and I flowed down Jumping Mouse like two little kids having a great time. 
In fact, there was a bunch of jumps on that uh, trail that I haven't done. And Joe was able to tow me through the whole thing. So wanted to say thank you for that, buddy. That was a lot of fun. Uh, no worries, man. It's always good. And that's, that's the greatest part about, I love about, about, you know, catching some air and getting some steez is, is it's exhilarating and, you know, much kind of like my life as uh, being a fighter, I get to find that, that adrenaline rush and, and it makes me uh, feel good to, uh, to other people, to see other people on the trail catching the stoke, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That stoke is so contagious. It's just, it's just something that it's hard to find, but within sports, when you find it, you definitely feel it. It's such a good feeling. Um, let's, let's take the folks back, Joe, uh, take the folks back a little ways. Um, for those folks who don't know who Joe Duarte is, uh, Joe Duarte was a UFC fighter in the UFC, also a multiple champion within that, within that sport. Um, he's then come over into the investment business world and he's also, Hey, he's also a mountain biker, which is awesome. But Joe, um, if you wouldn't mind taking us back a, a ways, one of the things that I was reading about you is that you're actually from a small little village out in Guam. I don't know if you want to go that far back. No, that's cool. Yeah, we can go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, from I'm from Guam, you know, Dedero, Guam. Um, I'm proud of where I'm from. Gives me humble, you know, my my upbringing was was very humble, um, and uh, taught me a lot. Gave me a lot of values, and and um, and uh, I think the biggest thing that I got. Um, growing up on the island was um, learning respect and um, and that in order to really accomplish what you want, you gotta, gotta, you gotta go get it, right? Like, cause on the island, like no one's, mm, there's rare that you meet people that are, meet people that are wealthy or anything like that. Or, you know, um, we, you know, people on the island just love the simple life. So um, I, I've always had ambitions that, that exceeded, you know, far beyond the parameters of my island. So, um, it's, it's always was my, my dream to come to the States and, um, you know, pursue, uh, my passion. Was there an influence behind that though? Was there like a family member or a friend or kind of what instilled that in you? Uh, I think the biggest thing was, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a dreamer, right? And um, I, I was kind of looked at a little differently because of that. Like I always had my heads in the clouds in terms of like, you know, I always ask like, why, right? Like, why can't we accomplish or like, why can't we do this? And, and a lot of the mentality was that, you know, that's, you know, it, it, it wasn't even possible. That's like saying going to the moon, right? Like, saying at the time going to be a fighter um or pursuing a passion was was one risky and two it's scary because you know you're 3500 miles uh 4000 miles from the island wow. and um and you have limited resources already on the island then you're going to take what little resources you have and try to establish yourself in a new place and so I think the biggest thing for me was that there was rare that I saw someone leave the island to go like risk, make risk, right? Um, everyone kind of fell into, which is nothing wrong with that, right? Because everyone kind of fell into the whole like go to high school, graduate, get a job, work the job, become the manager, right? Which is totally cool. Um, and if they, if you were lucky enough to 
to have money to go to college. You either went to college there or you went to the college, you came to college out here. Yeah. Come to college out here, you had to be like, you had to be like kind of like on the island, like looked at like rich, right? Oh, so wow. um, I just, I just kind of always was like, why, why? And I wanted it so bad that I was willing to do, you know, anything. And so I never really had um, kind of like someone I looked up to. And uh, 1990s, well, professionally in that manner, right? To like, because I had like solid people around me, my brothers, you know, things like that to look up to. But like nobody to kind of look at as like a guiding light in terms of what I want to do. And um, remember, I was a skinny kid, and my uncle Greg took me to go watch a fight back in 1997. And I saw this guy from the island. His name was Big John Calvo, and Big John, uh, he was just like a an island boy, you know. And they brought Super Brawl to Guam, and he fought. Dang. And uh, he w- he won the tournament that night, and I was blown. Wow. Away. They flew fighters in from all over, like Australia, Hawaii, mainland U.S., you know. And I was like, dude, that's what I want to do. And my uncle looked at me, and <laughs> you're like you know, 110 pound kid. Like, were you gonna go over there and become like you'll get killed? You know, <laughs> I was young at the time, right? So I think it was even before '97. I yeah, I think it was like yeah, I think it was '97. And so ever since then, I was like, dude, I'm going to wrestle in high school, you know, and I played sports my whole life. I played rugby, you know, wrestled in high school, played football, um, rode dirt bikes. Um, But I fell in love. And I think a big part of it was that on the island, the guy that doesn't have the money is not really respected. It's more or less the guy that can beat up everybody, you know? And, and, and I, I was like, dude, that's, those guys must have so feel so like badass, you know, like walking around and, 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 and that power that they have, like, it was just like, that was cool, you know? Yeah. But these guys all worked a regular job. It's not like they were doing that. They were paid like a couple hundred bucks maybe. And that was back in the day when it was no holds bar. Right. Wow. So I was like, I want to do that, right? Not, not I want to be a champion at that. I just want to do that. That's cool. And I wanted to, right? So I got into it. I went to the gym. And uh, this was 1999. And uh, I watched a couple other local fights, you know, Super Brawl after that. And uh, in 1999, they opened a gym called um, – purebred gym which is funny how full circle it comes because the guy i got my black belt from is from that gym so, no way yeah so he wow. was like barry she is like a legend right and so instantly no way and egan in a way um they they formed the gym purebred and at the time J- japan had the best fighters in the world you know at the time right like ufc was not really anything it was like it was big and then all the fighters all the good fighters were in japan we were lucky enough to be so close to Japan, they would always come. So I'm getting to be around the gym with these guys that are champions. You know, my first sparring session was was Tetsuji Kato. You know, he was like, Kato was like number, ranked number two in the world. And back then, lightweight was anything under like 199, you know? Oh, God. So my first introduction to fighting was sparring with this guy. And he beat the crap out of me, you know? And the great part about it was I got to be around people and they were like traveling, fighting. And I saw big John 
Big John was like the main guy and he was like going out fighting and, and going to Japan and stuff. And I just thought I was like enamored because I was like blown away. Like these guys are actually doing this, making money. They get up, they train every day. Like how awesome would that be? And so I essentially was like, I'm going to do that. And I got laughed at, you know, I thought it was people were like, you're crazy, you know, because no one really did it in the mainland from my island. They never went to the States and made a living fighting. Wow. Um, just in Japan, but nobody really came to the States and did it from, from where I'm from. Right. And as time progressed, what happened was pride um, became real big pride fighting championships. Right. And then the UFC started to grow after their Fertitas bought it. And then what happened was fighters, um, the U S fighters started to come up. They started to get better. Right. And so, um, what had happened was I just, I just, um, had this opportunity to get a buddy pass and come to the States. Wow. Yeah. So at, at this age, are, where are you, are you, uh, right out of high school or just finishing up high yeah, school? I was literally right out of high school. I was Dang. like out of high school, um, not doing anything. I was a lifeguard in the Island, you know, living Island boy life training once in a while, but, but just having that ambition. Right. And, yeah. um, and, 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 you know, uh, seeing local fights and stuff like that. But I was like, I want to take this to the next level. And that's where I was like, I didn't really have a role model at the time to look up. I looked at Big John, but I was like, this guy set the foundation, right? Like my Mikey Joel, all these guys from the island, they set the foundation, Ted Vita. But yet I want to be like, I want to go to the States and try test my test myself against fighters out there. Man. Um, yeah, in 2000, early 2002, I had an opportunity to get a buddy pass. Wow. And, uh, the buddy pass just so happened to go from Guam to Hawaii, Hawaii to Texas, and Texas to um, Texas to Los Angeles. Yeah, that was just the flight rate, right? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's essentially how I did it. But going Holy. to Texas, I didn't – I knew staying in Texas would be better because I didn't have money, and I had – my brother was out there in Kingsville. So I knew that there was something there um, for me um, and it was cheaper. So uh, I didn't really have a plan. I literally got on a plane. I Dang. didn't know where I was going to live when I got on the plane. Wow. Um, and I didn't tell that many people I was leaving. So I like five, I literally, when it's, I saw I was tripping out on that thing, it says 500, but I literally had $500 in my pocket cash, oh, no yeah. credit card, no cell phone. Oh. luggage you know and like i didn't even really i think some of my family knew i was leaving but i don't think i really told anyone i just bounced dang that's incredible that there was that much of a feeling that feeling that was pulling you to to do that to just go for it you know it's, it's i was a little naive too right like if i would have known how hard it was like how hard i worked to get where i'm at now um, if I known that back then, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have done it. It's <laughs> things, right? It's one of those things where you need to be naive, and I think yeah. that that naivety um, really helps you get you through the rough spots. Because I think if people um, really understand how difficult it is to essentially break a barrier, um, 
most people wouldn't even try, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm grateful in the sense I was naive and I was young, um, and I was all, I was I was full of piss and vinegar. So I didn't, you know what I'm saying? I didn't yeah. I didn't um, I didn't know any better. I just knew I wanted something better. And the the biggest thing was that leaving the island, um, I had a comfortable life somewhat, right? Not I didn't make money or anything, right? I wasn't making loads of money or anything, but like I had a place and I didn't have a lot of stress and you know what I'm saying? I was like, I was willing to give up good or okay to pursue great. And I knew that in between giving up good or okay to get great, that I was going to suffer a lot in between there. I didn't know how much, I just knew that it was going to be very difficult. And um, I was willing to embark on that. And I knew by coming to the States and separating myself from help, that I would have no opportunity or no chance to turn around and give up, right? Like God. it was like live on the streets or 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 make it. And, and essentially, you know, you're you'll be amazed at how badass you can be when when it's really your only option, right? So yeah. every single one of us has a fighter inside of us. Some people go to their grave and they never understand that, right? That's why there's that quote from Fight Club, like, how much can you know about yourself? You've never been in a fight. And I think that quote, there's a lot to say because when you're put in those tough situations, you, you really find out who you are. Just like when you're about to hit a line of jumps when, you know, that you haven't hit. It's that that feeling like that unknown, like, am I going to eat shit? Yeah. I'm going to make it. But yeah. you know what? I don't know. I don't know the outcome, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. And go that for it. is like the most rewarding because when you, when you whether you crash or you overcome it, when you get past it, you're like, oh, that wasn't even bad. Like this whole time I was worried about that, you know? Yeah. I, I constantly keep that as, as a, as a reminder for myself that, um, um, you know, coming here with nothing, um, was probably the scariest thing that, um, the craziest decision I think I made. I had no backup plan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you were taking the warrior island spirit to the next level. <laughs> yeah, I know that was back then. I just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you hear that a lot from, you know, uh, big motivating folks like Tony Robbins. He, you know, he says the best way to take the island is to burn all the boats. You can't turn around. Uh, you got folks out there like Todd Durkin that says, yeah. uh, you know, you don't know how strong you are until strong is all you have left. And you've got the rock who failed at his NFL football career and had seven bucks in his pocket. And then yep. you have Joe Duarte who comes out here, 500 bucks, no place, no plan, but has a dream to fight. And uh, that's just amazing, man. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's truly like, you know, that's why it's insane. Like my career, right? Like I look back and I'm like, I can't even, and, so, and that I'm the worst at stopping and smelling the roses because my wife tells me I'm too tunnel vision and I get, you know, it's all about the chase. Right. And it, it is true for me. It is, it is about the conquer about what can I do? Because I believe that life is a book. And at the end of my life, I want my book to be full, not for me because I want other people and especially my kids to know that you can achieve anything you want to, you know what I'm saying? That you can, we have, footprints on the moon and airplanes in the skies and, and, you know, computers in our pockets because 
some crazy person said that that was possible and i and i i'll never forget that you know so it, it's been an amazing ride and i'm still riding the wave and yeah still young so yeah it's it's uh it's very inspiring it's very inspiring how you got here and um so so you, so going back a little bit more you got the buddy pass and um it takes you out to texas is that where you ended up starting to train? Did you find a school out there? The, yeah, the- I actually did. I, I found a gym there. And um, um, when I tell people it was a gym, um, it was not a gym like you think. It was literally an abandoned warehouse. Like in Texas, they have these dome-shaped things, right? These like tin made. They're made of tin, and they go all the way to the ground. And normally they have a concrete slab inside. And they, sometimes they have drive through alcohol stores, right, like drive up. You drive through in your car and you, you drive through and they hand you alcohol and then you buy it, right? That's that's the way it is there, right? Like, But basically, it's one of those things where it was like a tin dome that was probably maybe 2,000 square feet. And this guy put like a bunch of used second and third-hand equipment in there. And, and um, I started to go there. And uh, he was like, yeah, it's $5 a month, but if you can't make the payment, then... I mean, they didn't even have showers. It was like a hose in the back, you know. And the guys used to like rinse off and stuff. And so um, the cool part was that after learning, after a couple of times being there, I realized the guy was a boxing coach, um, retired from the military. Um, And he put that place there because he wanted to keep kids off off the streets. And it was smack dead in the middle of the body over there, you know. Wow. So um, I was there. There was two black guys, myself, and they're all Mexicans. And the song that was on repeat was the Rocky song. No. Yeah, that's the best. I was like, "Do these guys have another CD they could put in here?" Because that was it. And it was just it's bad. It got so bad that when the song started and I started the round, that I knew what what the time left was because there was no timers i knew what the time left was like around <laughs> by the song you know because you can <laughs> gauge how long the song is. That, that's essentially yeah that's essentially where where i got my foot wet or my feet wet here in the states wow um, and training with some some uh, good level pros is is that where you got your striking from i know i know in your ufc career you were known for your jujitsu you're also known for just your fierce tenacity to take punches, but really stand up and give knockout power punches. Did you get that fundamentals from from those guys? You know, I, I grew up right like like wrestling and stuff, and um, uh, in about 1999 or 2000, there was a guy named Pat Adudu. He goes by the name Gory Chan, and so he lives in an island probably 30 minute flight from mine called Rota tiny island, like nine miles long, right? There's like two villages there. And I was fortunate to become good friends with this guy. And um, he, he had the opportunity to go to Japan and live in like a fighter dorm and, and fight professionally there. And he came to Guam after his visa expired from Japan and joined our team and we became really good friends and I was young. So, you know, and I talked a lot of crap. So guys were like, 
you know, <laughs> that's, you know like Joe's like, you know, like he's a punching bag for like the pro fighters, right? Which, which back in the day, there wasn't like, and I tell people this, it wasn't like you paid, you signed up and they treated you like a member, you know, like back in the day, those days, the nineties and you go to a fight, who went to a fight gym back then, you know, like, yeah. Not we're not talking karate where you're doing katas and stuff like that, right? Like we're talking like you walk in, guys are beating the shit out of each other, and there's no weight. So you respond with a heavy weight, you're you're seeing guys get lifted up, and it's literally back then it was called no holds bar. So here's your membership to get your ass kicked, you know, wow. to be part of this team. And so the camaraderie is is that you know there's there's a very small amount of people and so this guy and I kind of kind of clicked right I became his friend and I was I was I was in all of his striking because he would just tear people up with striking and he had a boatload of Muay Thai fights and him and I like we just we bonded really well and so um, I was inspired by him um, though I had a wrestling background I helped him with his wrestling and he helped me with my striking and but i fell in love with it man i fell in love with striking and um i i you know i developed a, a really good um you know uh, skill set in terms of, of of striking and and i got to train with some of the best fighters in the world and and, and uh you know go go toe to toe with some of the best you know strikers in the game and and hold my own and and or dish it out too so um you know in in fighting i'm, I'm kind of known for having a real good um you know technical striking and and and, and obviously i'm really you know i don't i didn't like it um but i could take a really good punch right like i can take a really good some people are not born with that thing and i have that thing when it comes to power and the ability to take a shot um like you see Mark Hunt, right? Like Mark Hunt, he can take a shot. He's a, you know, and I don't know if it's an island thing, but I just noticed that Islanders are just really hard to knock out, you know? And I've, I've always had that, I wouldn't say tool because it's it's not something I developed, you know? It's something yeah. I'm born with. And then you meet some guys that are really good, but they have no chin. You know, it's like they're easy to drop. They're easy to knock out. Um so, you know, it's not something you can build up, right? Like you don't get tough getting punched in the face. Um, yeah. And then also the ability to deliver power. Um, and I think that's something that I, I, I have that talent um, um, to, and I've, I'm known for that. Like I've put a lot of guys down or to sleep um, that have never been dropped in their career and they've fought some of the best fighters in the world. So, um, you know, that's just one of my, one of my, skill sets i guess and when it comes to fighting as power as as you get older power is the last thing to leave so mm. you know um that's why if you ever see these older guys that they fought before that they, they're like you know former world champions or anything like that guy could probably still knock a lot of people out because that's the last thing that that tends to leave um a fighter is there is there a power wow wow yeah. is I was always curious with the, with the power. Is that also like the ability to take a punch? Is it something that you're kind of instinctually born with and you just can get the, the, the kinetic energy to make that power or is you that know, something with skill or? 
You know, you know, it's both, right? Like, so you can develop better technique, right? Like swinging a bat, right, to baseball. But there's just some guys that they're just they hit home runs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, can you get better at it? Yes. Did I develop a better, you know, technique to 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 transfer power from my foot to to the end of my punch and and make make that snap better at the end of my you know turn over my punch correctly technically yeah but when i was 17 18 years old like i could drop i could i i've always had the power you know what i'm saying it's not i i i'm not going to give myself credit and say oh, i got so good i developed all this power like i really you know some people are born with it some people are not right and it's like a chin. Some people are born with a good chin. Some people are not. And I feel bad for the guys that are not because I've seen guys that are really good technically, right? They're really good. And the problem is, is their chin, the minute they get hit, they go down. Oh. You know, and you'll, you'll find a lot of guys like that, right? Like Canelo's good. Canelo can take a punch and he can give one. So that's why he's he's got that ability to have both, right? So – and you find some other fighters who, who, some reason, man, they just they can't take a shot, you know, wow. and, and 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 they never they never really make it to that level where, you know, or or maybe they do get to there, but the one thing that that you always hear is like, oh yeah, they're they're okay until they take a shot and they get dropped, you know. Dang, yeah, that would be frustrating, you know, if you've worked yeah. that hard and just come to find out you're the one. That has no chin. <laughs> one, one guy I know he, you know, because recovery, your 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 endurance has a lot to do with your ability to recover from a shot, right? Yeah. And the first time I ever fought in Bellator, I remember Eddie Alvarez was there, and uh, Eddie was, I wouldn't say he has a weak chin, but um, he knows he gets dropped all the time. He gets dropped all the time, and I remember we were sitting in the locker room. And he's, he, he fought before me and I think he fought before me. Was he fought right before me or maybe a fight two before me? But I remember him looking over at the judge or the, the, yeah, not the judge, but the referee. Cause they always come into the locker room before. And he said, Hey, when I get dropped tonight, don't stop the fight. Wow. So I was like, wow, this guy is assuming that he's going to get dropped. Wow. The guy, don't stop the fight. Like, I get dropped all the time. Do not stop the fight. And the guy's a world champion, multiple time world champion. He won the UFC title. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, you know, some guys, they just, and he's, he's always in shape. So that's his saving grace is that he's a great fighter. He's always in shape. So he has this, he has this ability to, to take a shot and recover really quickly. Um, but he gets put down. You know, it's just, one of those things man that's uh yeah it's just something you can't really train for other than just knowing that that's part of your game that's and right. uh, trying to be prepared for it god listening to your story is uh it's inspiring to hear just everything that we're, we've talked about so far and and uh, i definitely want to get into the mountain biking part too um some of the guys from the mtb trail dogs are here uh, it's a group of really fun guys. They out, they go out on group rides all the time, and they just have a great time. So you'll you'll know if they're out there. You usually hear them hooting and hollering on the mountains out there. <laughs> so awesome, they, awesome. They said, they said hey, uh, if you guys are on, uh, feel free to ask any questions. It's uh, Joe Duarte on with us tonight. 
Yeah, I normally um, don't drink Jack, but uh, I will say um, this one is a single barrel, barrel proof. And normally I'm not a Jack Daniels guy, right? I'm a connoisseur of, 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 of rare whiskeys and beer, but um, I'm not a Jack guy because, you know, I just, I like the, I like good whiskey, you know, not say that Jack's not a good whiskey, but I like Jack. I mean, I, I don't like Jack that much, right? However, this one right here is, I'm, I'm like, I should get a sponsorship for this, but Ooh, look at that. Um, it's a single barrel. And um, if you guys ever get it's, it's like 55 bucks. It's not a, you know, pocket breaker, but it's a really good quality single barrel whiskey. And um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a connoisseur, man. I drink all my whiskey meat and, and I love them. Yeah. And, and by the way, thank you very much. Uh, Joe had, he had uh, given this one here. This is the Noah's mill uh, whiskey. Yeah. And uh, this stuff's pretty tasty. So I'll go ahead and pour myself a little cup as well and, and join you on that, Joe. Nice. Nice. Um, so would you, were you mountain biking this whole time when you were going through all this training or, or you did know, that happen in the island or where, where did that come into play? Yeah. So I grew up riding, riding motocross, right? And cheers, so, brother. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Okay. <laughs> I, grew up, I grew up riding motocross, riding moto. And um, when I got to high school, um, um, you know, I was broke, so I couldn't afford <laughs> to continue racing. Moto is expensive, right? So their bikes are expensive, fuel, gas, bikes. You know, you got to change all your bikes. But one thing I loved is I loved mountain biking. And in '97 or '98, I started to ride mountain biking to get ready for like wrestling season. You know, um, and I fell in love with it. My friend was like, "Hey, we're gonna." join this group that rides in the mountains and um, we're going to go, we're going to join the group. So I was like, okay, cool. And we'd ride every single, like I, I used to ride my bike to school. So we used to ride like literally every day, every other day where I was always putting miles on the bike and keep in mind, this was like back in the day where if you had like front suspension, you were, it was like crazy. Like, oh my God, you got super state of the art. <laughs> Yeah, so I had this like giant Rincon, and if you get a chance, Google that shit. It's like a giant, a 1997 giant Rincon. Uh, when I look at the bike now, I'm like, I can't even believe I, I raced down a mountain with that damn thing. Right? <laughs> right. The first bike that I had uh, was a giant Rincon, and this bike was literally like 350 bucks, and I had like to save money to buy this bike. And I remember I went to the sporting goods store and my buddies were like, hey, there's a three-man race. Let's race this. It's, it's 22 miles. Let's let's race it. It's 11 miles up and 11 miles down, right? Good Lord. And you're talking island mountains, like the real quick, steep. Yeah, so this was through red dirt clay, right? And then Good. some parts were on the road, some parts – and now I'm like thinking of myself, like that's more of like a cross country ride, right? But at the time it was like anything off road was like mountain biking, you know? <laughs> so um, I, I, I was like, yeah, let's go. And the bars were real narrow. So my buddy was like, where's the three of us? Both of them, him and his brother had like bikes with suspension on it, right? Front suspension. My friend, Ed Superalis had like this, badass giant 
right? And what's funny is I actually got this bike from him. I got the, that actual bike, and I rode it in 2010 or nine. So my wow. cousin basically bought it from him and brought it from the island, right? Wow. So back in 97, we, he, he has this dual suspension giant, right? It's like purple and yellow. And I'll never forget. I was like, dude, you got front and rear suspension. <laughs> like on a cloud compared to mine. And so we went to Hornet Sporting Goods and we end up buying, we end up not buying, but they gave us a sponsor sponsorship. What? They put their logo on our jersey. So we had this jerseys made up, the Holland Tunnel Bikers, and we had their logo on it. And uh, it was my first race, you know. And I remember it was the handlebar and it was it had the, the horns, you know, mountain bike with the horns on it. And so we had that, and then I had the seat, uh, and uh, got these tires. I forget what they're called. Um, we had the tire, uh, these different. I didn't have no suspension on my bike, so my friends all had like, you know, they got their bike serviced and got all suspension and everything. But like, literally, I had the old, I had the real clips, the original clips where you slide your foot in. Oh yeah, you tighten it down over the top of your foot. Yeah, yeah. So it was like a, it was like a, it was like a cage, and you put your foot in there. That's right. Holy cow! Not <laughs> like Nikes, right? So, so, so we literally, we literally get there. My buddy picks me up. It's like four in the morning, right? We get to the race. I look around. There's like three hundred people here, Holy and they crap. all have like at least front suspension on their bike. And I'm thinking, am I the only guy around here with a rigid frame, no suspension at all? <laughs> Thankfully, I was like an athlete, right? So, and and see, my secret weapon was a was Hornet gave us like a hundred dollar each sponsorship, and gave me these bar ends. So I put the bar ends on that's like horns on my thing, right? And they go on the outside, and a couple other things. They gave me a better saddle, so I have a better saddle. Um, they gave me better pedals, right? So I had better pedals and tires. And then they asked me what. What tubes? Because back then I was riding tubes, right? So I said I wanted the one with the gel inside that pierces. If something pierced, it like it's like a run flat, you know. <laughs> just like, right? So I was like, I'm gonna pack. I'm gonna pack this, right? So we get there, right? We get there. I'm an idiot, right? I don't know anything at this time. So we get on the bikes. And I, I see everyone like on their thing and they're warming up. I'm like, shit, I better warm up too, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna go ride my bike around to warm up. And my buddy's like, I'm not gonna warm up because I don't want to get tired, right? He's like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not gonna warm up because I don't want to get tired. <laughs> so we start, I start pedaling around and I jump this, I jump over this like little hill. Dude, we landed on my front tire. No, tire, right before the race. I'm like, damn it. Oh. Flipped it out, put the tube in there, got the tube, pumped it up, right? Got everything dialed, right? Man. 11, think about this, 11 miles up, 11 miles down, right? Whoa. We start at the bottom, right? At the bottom in the dirt. And this is like soft clay dirt, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so we start pedaling. Guess how many, guess how much water I brought too, by the way? Uh, one, one bottle, one can? One Gatorade bottle. <laughs> and, and there wasn't no, there wasn't no like 
there wasn't no aid station, right? Where like you can stop and say, give me a drink, you know, or give me water, right? So yeah. your shit was, you were on your own the minute you took off. <laughs> so we take off, right? We take off. <laughs> we go in, we're hitting these things and it starts to get rocky and I jump this thing, right? I'm like going around and I jump this thing, boom, walk. Gatorade falls out. Oh, I didn't no. bring water. Only brought Gatorade. Gatorade oh. fell off. <laughs> but I didn't want to stop because my dumbass took off like in the front. You know, I said I wanted to be in the front. And the yeah. minute they bang, they, they shot the gun, boom, I okay. took off. Oh. Right? I just took off, like took off. And I was in front of everybody. And I was like, I'm just trying to hold the speed. I don't realize I got dumbass. You have 22 more miles. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm like in the front. I'm leading, right? I'm leading. Gatorade falls out. I'm like, oh shit, that's my only water. That's the only liquid I have to drink. I was like, screw it. I'm gonna keep going. So I keep going. Dude, nine mile nine is a climb. Like is is a climb to the top of this place called Channel 10, right? Channel 10 is like the high part of the island. We go to mile 10. We hit mile 10, and then I'm like dying. Like dying, like Miles all dry, everything, right? So literally, I end up walking my bike up this hill because it gets to the part where it's so steep. And it's pavement, but it's super steep. I'm like dying. I look over at this guy, and I go, hey, man, can I sip of your water? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, oh, no. And he keeps going. I'm like, oh, no. And so the guy, so I guess to the point where I started to get desperate, I'm like, dude, it's it's the island, so it's not only hot, but it's super humid, right? Super humid. So we get I get to the top of the hill, and my friends, they're like behind me. I don't know where they're at, right? They're supposed to be, it's a three-man team. I don't know even where they're at. <laughs> We start to descend right before the descent. I see a guy come up and he has a bunch of like water. Oh, and God. I grabbed a bottle or he asked me, he's like, I said, Hey man, can I have one of those? He's like, yeah, man. He is. I'm like, thank you. I down the whole like 16 ounce little water bottle. And we start to descend. And when we start to descend, I'm seeing like, I'm like in the front of everybody, like, Everyone's still back there, right? They're like walking their bikes up the hill. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm actually like, like not winning, but like I'm like way ahead of everybody. And so we start going down. I see like the there's a there's a Jeep, they're using the clock time, right? And I see that past that, I go down and I finish. So out of 300. I finished like number 90 something, right? And at the time, I'm like, I'm like super stoked because I beat all my team down there on a rigid frame. Everybody that was ahead of me all had like, they were like professional, not professional cyclists, but they were like cyclists, like real cyclists. Like I was some kid in a high school wearing Nike shoes and, and like $100 worth of, you know, Big five equivalent to big five <laughs> equipment, right? Like on my bike. <laughs> and I get down there, and all these guys got their like fancy water bottles and like all their matching nice 
equipment. And that was the first time that I ever saw Yeti. And there was three guys from the team Yeti. And they were like, I was like, what's my time? They're like, your time. They gave me my time. And I was stoked on my time because my time, um, you know, I had beat over a third of the people in the race out, right? With literally no training. Like, I didn't, there was, it wasn't like I was training for this race. I literally got a thing and got, my friend was like, let's enter. Um, but I beat out all these people who were like, had nice bikes, actually looked like they rode their bikes much more than I did, right? They actually had equipment on and the right equipment, um, had water with them during the race. Um, <laughs> so we ended up getting to the bottom of the hill. And uh, when we finished, I said, what's my time? They said, okay. I was like, what's the top three guys time? They said, you're the top three guys are the team Yeti. They flew in here to race in this race. Wow. So cool. I said, they said, my time was a combine of all three of their times. Holy crap. That's how fast they were. That is crazy. And that was the first time I ever saw an M1 Intense. It flew by me going down the hill. And, and Team Yeti guys were so far ahead, um, apparently. They had they were, they were, had hit the top of Channel 10 before I was like halfway even like up the hill. They were just so far ahead of me. Wow. These guys are professional cyclists. You know, They got flown into the island for this race. So um, – but coming down, it was the first time I ever saw an M1 Intense because that shit looked like a spaceship back then. Yeah. And I was like, dude, what is that? The finish line? I was like, what is that? He said, oh, that's the Intense. It was used in the Olympics. And I was like, whatever it is. And now that I think about it, I'm like, that crazy guy rode a downhill bike up oh. 11 miles uphill. It was like crazy. That you know? guy is crazy. But I saw yeah. everything from – Cannondale Super V two thousands to to giant to the the early giants to the dual suspension giants. I mean, they had everything there. Cannondales, um, you know, the Yeti bikes and stuff. So uh, it it was cool experience. And then from there, I just you know I entered a lot of other races and and um, and I just kind of fell in love with mountain biking from there. Wow, it definitely goes to show that competitive side of you, you know, when you're asking those questions like, hey, what are the top, what's the top guy's times? And doing the math and measuring it, like, holy crap. They're yeah. three times combined. <laughs> I, was just like, I was like, holy crap, like, I was adding up all their times. I was like, dude, that's like my whole entire time combined their team, you know, and I was just going to read that a human, because I, I realized I was like, extremely exhausted, Right. And, and it was like, I think it was like wrestling season. So I was in shape. And I think my saving grace of riding a rigid frame on that crazy terrain and racing it um, was was uh, was what kept me. Because I tell you what, the guys, my team came in like 35 minutes behind me. The wow. two guys, and they both had like wow. nice bikes back then, you know. And so um, I think it's a testament to just like being again naive and uh and being uh just a good athlete you know yeah no that's uh man that's so true it, it resonates again that whole you just take action you know you're not yeah. waiting yeah. to be perfect at something you're just uh, gonna go figure it out and go do it and, and see how how well you stack up and and get better at it 
And, you know, I think the good part about competing, right, in anything um, is just it, it's not less for yourself, for medals or whatever. Like competing at something is more or less just is just nice because it, 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 it um, it's something you can accomplish. It's something that can tell you about a lot about your personality. It can tell you a lot about yourself. It could probably show you capabilities you didn't know you had. Um, and uh, you can have fun. I mean, I've, I've literally, the second race um, that I raced on mountain bike, I didn't even, I slowed down to stay with my team to make it fun. And that, that was actually more fun than the first one. You know, in the first one, I was just like, I'm going to ride as hard as I can for as long as I can. Second one, I was like, dude, I want to hang out with my friends and, and have fun and, and ride. And, and and that one actually ended up being more fun. So I got I from both of those, I got a lot of good points. But um, I definitely think that whether you're entering a race for your first time or you're competing at something for your first time is is that you just go out and do it and you don't really set a standard for yourself. I think people get intimidated when they try new things. What are other people going to think? Because the way that I think is no one cares about you anyways, right? So just go ahead and, 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 and try it out and go have fun. Like who, who cares what the result is? Mm. Fact is that you're actually going out there and putting it on the line. Like it doesn't matter whether you come in first or last just as long as you compete and and to be honest that that's all that matters yeah man well said yeah a lot of people get that paralysis by analysis and then they end up letting time pass by and they never get a chance to do it and you know god forbid at, at their last days they look back with regret that they weren't able to squeeze every drop out of their yeah, life I, i've seen some of the best fighters in the world the best fighters in the world world champions and in the back before the fight is is probably it's 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 amazing like you look around and everyone has their own rituals of what and you would think oh these guys in their mind they know they're going to win i've seen guys walking around the back they're just like oh my god i don't even want to you know rich franklin was a champion at the time in ufc and he said that he wished the power would go out in the arena so he didn't have to walk out there and fight Anderson Silva the first time. Wow, He's, this is backstage. He literally was like, I wish the power would just go out in the arena so I don't have to go out there and fight. That's how much anxiety they have, you know? And it's 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 self-implemented pressure. Obviously, you get a lot of pressure being in this sport. And the higher you get, the more pressure you get in anything. Um, but the reality is, is there's always been this notion, right? You have a bad day at work, you go home and you have a couple of drinks and you shake it off. I have a bad day at work, I go to the hospital, right? So I think that and, and people are always worried about their brand, right? What, what it does to themselves or what other people are going to think. And the way that I, I deal with that mentality is I can't tell you who was on the fight card three, year, three UFCs ago. So who the hell cares of what I'm going to do, right? Like, no yeah. one's going to remember this three months from now. Yeah. You know? And and not to mention, at the end of the day, it's about the guy in the arena. It's like Teddy Roosevelt said. It's the man in the arena. So when guys are going out there and they're riding, and just like when we go ride, when I see something, I'm always like the one to guinea pig it. 
because I believe like it's trial and error. Like the first time I wrote TMB, I literally cleaned the line there. Like I didn't even know, I didn't know like, I didn't think like, oh, what speed do I have to go or anything? I just went and did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, you I, I do have this fear of like, am I gonna, you know, the first time doing anything is like, am I gonna clear this jump or not? Or am I gonna, you know, crash? Um, sometimes you got to put those fears to side and, and you just got to say, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to go let it hang out. Yeah. You know? And that uh, always plays in my head the, the, the Carrie Underwood song. I think it's Carrie. Did Jesus take the wheel song? You know, Jesus. Yeah. Take the wheel. And yeah. You, just, you know what? Who cares? Just, yeah. you know. That's right. Sometimes you just got to send it. That's it. You and know. Think about it afterwards, right? Exactly. In the lines blind, like the first time I ever rode Vail, I was towed into the jump line by my buddy Chris Bowers. Um, and we hit the big gap there, the one that's like a river crossing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had no idea that we were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't tell me. He was just like, hey, are you going to follow me in this line? So I was like, okay, cool. And we ended up hitting it, you know, and, 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 had I sat there and thought about it, I would probably be like, no, nah, I'll save that for another day, you know? Because yeah. one, it was my first time at Vail. Two, it was my first time on on my new bike, you know? So um, obviously, like, I, w- I was still getting used to the geometry because um, 170 in the front, 170 in the rear is slack, you know? And so, um, yeah, it was just, it was a learning experience, I guess. And, and I, I believe in baptism by fire. So yeah, that's yeah. awesome. For for those of you who are out there watching this, um, maybe in the in the days, months, years to come, uh, that's a great reminder that Joe just reminded us all is you don't have to be great to get started. You just gotta get started to be great. And don't let paralysis by analysis or don't let other people talk you out of something. Um, sometimes you just gotta go and you gotta go and experience it. Yep. And I think a lot of times people will will they're per, they'll They'll push their fears onto you. You know, I've had that my whole career. I mean, I went from fighting to, you know, being the CEO and running a, a multi-million dollar uh, healthcare company, you know, and a lot of people was like, ask me like, it's, how did you get into that? And I, I, you know, I, I just, I just, you know, for me, like when I see something, I saw a great industry, you know, a lot, a great multiplier in terms of, um, in terms of uh, the investment, you know, in return. Um, and I just became a student and I became obsessive about studying and learning about the industry. And um, it, it's, it's been insane, like running this company and, and sitting around with, you know, you know, I'm an athlete, right? That's the way I look at myself. I'm a college graduate because I went to college while I was fighting, but um, business school, but, but um I also feel like, you know, I'm sitting around these meetings with guys that graduated from Walton, Walt, uh, uh, Wharton, you know, from, you know, from Harvard, from Stanford. And, and um, I, it doesn't scare me, right? Like, like, I'm not intimidated by their level of education or where they went to school. Um, they're, they're a human being like myself. And, um, you know, in terms of, in terms of the mental aspect is, 
is they may be smarter than me uh, when it comes to certain things, but sometimes my vision and uh, my problem-solving skills is, is the one that, that I really feel like kind of keep me, you know, that, that allow me to compete with these guys. Um, and, and, you know, what's cool is that uh, a lot of the, you know, some of these guys that work for my company, I, I signed their checks. So, um, <laughs> yep. you know, it, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, that I'm smarter than them and they're smarter than me or, or whatever the case is. It, it, the way I look at it is we all have our place right in this world. And, and um, I was fortunate to be able to, to have the belief to try something and, and not be afraid to try. And when I came into this industry, I had zero healthcare experience. You know, I know you, Mark, been in, been in this industry for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 20 years, right? 20 That's plus right. years. And, That's and, right. And for me, like, I, I haven't, you know, this is this is new territory for me. I've been, this is five years. Um, and I'm sitting down with guys that, like Mark, they've been in this industry for 20 years. Um, and for me, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's about learning. It's about, you know, growing. Um, my vision, I think, aligns with a lot of these guys' vision because we all want the same thing um, for our companies to be successful. And um, how we get there, uh, we can, we can talk, you know. That's and right. That makes it awesome. That's so awesome. <clears throat> and I'm hearing another similar theme to going back to that island boy who hopped on the plane with a buddy pass and kind of just came in with the, with no experience but with the hunger and with the action that it takes and the dedication and you know what i want to hear your story i i think of a lot of different segments within your life I, I, and i the one common thing that i always keep hearing is just your hard work determination um to get you to the next level yeah and, and i think that you know going back to um, what we were talking about um, outside the car, you know, when we were, we were meeting outside the, the our vehicles on the day of the of the ride, is is that you can't be afraid to fail. Every day that I that I you know speak to my staff and talk to my executive team is and my daughter, you know, my, it taught me a lot about being a father, right? Like my daughter, it's not about the A's, it's not about getting straight A's, it's more about did you challenge yourself. Right. Because anybody can take an easy test and get an A, but it's finding out did you challenge yourself or not? Because that's growth, right? And so my 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 staff is, you know, my CTO is all about telling me, Joe, we can't do this, we can't do that. And him and I, we butt heads a lot because, you know, this guy's a a Silicon Valley guy and and I'm I'm a guy from not from this industry and um um he's a Silicon Valley tech guy that's a genius and he's built like you know, part of, you know, big part of fortune 500 companies. And he tells me, we can't do this. We can't do that. And I said, you know, what makes us special is our ability to reimagine healthcare and, um, and we're going to figure it out, you know? Um, and so for me, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, it can't be done. It's how can it be done? Because a statement closes the mind, right? A statement closes the mind. Like if you say we can't afford that, that closes the mind. And then, uh, then a uh, uh, question opens the mind, right? Kuyasaki says that all the time. He says, you right. know, how can we afford that, right? That's, That's right. the question. So it's those kind of things that mentally um, 
your mind, the mind is the most underrated weapon. I've always said that, you know, it could be your best friend. It could be your worst enemy. Um, and, and, and really, I think that's the definition when you look at, when you look at these, I've, I've, I've had the fortune of, of my mentor being the billionaire that, that co-founded or that founded, um, or co-founded with his wife, the Kashi cereal company, oh. and, um, you know, Phil Tauber and he's in his seventies, but you know, he's always kind of pushed me to, to step outside my comfort zone. And even me, like you would think being a fighter, being used to being comfortable in uncomfortable situations, uh, you know, I think it, it's funny when you see people, they get to a certain point where they've succeeded and they're afraid to take risk. Yeah. They're ta- afraid to take risk because they're afraid to lose what they've, what they've, what they've essentially accomplished, but that's complacency. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Phil used to always tell me the, the richest place in the world is, is the, is the, is the cemetery. Yes. I was going to say that the graveyard. Yep. Where most dreams go to die, you know? And, right. um, and that's where I say, like, I don't, you know, when I look at something, you know, I, I always tell myself like somebody, somebody, you know, if I see a jump that I can't, you know, that I'm like, this thing is gigantic, you know, somebody built it because somebody can hit it, you know, um, Look at TMB. I don't know if you guys know this, but TMB, my buddy Julius, I don't know if Julius actually jumps the jumps. I don't think Julius jumps the jumps, but he built this amazing line that's so like it's the gnarliest thing in Greer. Yeah. And 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 I love him for that. You know, but I I don't he had the vision to kind of see that. And and I like that because I remember the first time I hit that line, I was just like, wow man, this you know, this is this is built with some like you got to have some cojones to hit this. <laughs> and, and, I, and I like that. You know, I like that he built it that way. Um, yeah. One, it keeps the trail empty. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and two, it, it 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 makes things fun. And part of part of uh, writing is the fun part is the uncertainty. Yeah. Right? Could I crash? Could I not? Or could I break my time? Or could I go faster? Right. Um, could I go higher? Could I go further? So those are the kind of things that inspire me. Oh, man, it's so true. There's there's always another level. And that's part of the humbling thing about the sport or, or many other sports. And even in business, it's there's always another level. You know, so there's always another another level to get after. And that's what keeps people hung, hungry and humble if you have that aspect that, you know, you've never really arrived um, because there's another level. So, man, if you guys, uh, you know, this, if we could just take Joe's mind, he's got the secret sauce to success in there with with this vision and this mindset, this champion's mindset. Because if you look at his history and how he became a champion in the UFC, and he he also fought in Bellator and and other organizations and really had a great name for himself and still does, um, into the mountain biking arena where there's some gnarly trails and he is conquering the mountain biking arena and then now into business where he's taking uh, businesses and, and growing them up into the hundreds of millions of dollars. So uh, financially successful there as well. And it's all around that champion's mindset uh, that Joe has. So uh, man, Joe, it, it's been awesome to, to have you on the show. 
Um, I know you, you, you've got a family with little ones and I want to definitely be respectful of your time. Um, so do you have anything else that you wanted to share or say, or, or maybe even, can you talk a little bit about the, the current business venture that you're in? Are you allowed to share anything yeah, about yeah, that? Sure. Yeah, I got time. Um, so, um, I'm the CEO for a company we have, we're, we're an umbrella, right? So, um, the company's, uh, advanced telemedic medicine solutions, um, me personally, I grew up, uh, I didn't have healthcare growing up. So my inspiration is, is always, how do we, how do we allow people access to the medication and the solution they need at a relatively low cost? Right. So, um, what we have done is, is we've created a, um, we've recruited some of the best talent in the world and our executive team is, is made up of just a bunch of studs. I really feel I'm walking amongst giants. Um, I'm very blessed to have my executive team because I have a CFO who's been, you know, doing business with companies um, at a very high level for the last 30 years. A CTO that's built and developed probably some of the technology that we use today and that, that everyone, you know, watching this probably uses today. Um, and so, you know, we have a chief medical officer who's been in the telemedicine space before it was even considered telemedicine. So I'm very talented to have people around me um, like that. And uh, I think that's probably one of my strong suits is that I'm able to, to, to see the talent and bring them together. Um, and um, I've been very fortunate to be amongst these amazing human beings that have such great talent. And we have designed this customary platform that allows a seamless integration with our pharmacy. And so what happens is it's a singular patient experience that patients can go on. Um, say you go and you get on, on, on Zetra, or what is it? Uh, what is uh, what's the med cost uh, or med called that you have, uh, Mark? Oh, so our our, our company, yeah, our company has a biologic medication. I don't know if I'm allowed to say on, on, on this platform, but um, definitely like a, like a, a biologic medication that someone okay. would need. All right. So say say you want a certain medication, right? Um, and then so so you go there and they go to the website, and the website says click here for to or get this med now they click there it actually pushes them we white label so it goes into our funnel from there our funnel is it's all proprietary so it's all controlled throughout the process um the patient goes through and does a qualifying questionnaire and then speaks with the doctor if they qualify through the qualifying questionnaire it then puts them into schedule the doc they schedule the doc um on same day appointments they speak with the doc. The doc then sends a script, hits the button. The script goes to our pharmacy that day, and the pharmacy, our pharmacy, fills it. And so, what happens? It's a seamless process, and it allows this to where the patients can ac access their medications at a much simpler, in a much simpler fashion. Um, and then also, if they need any type of other care, we do that as well. Like acute low acute care um low acuity care um you know whatever the case is whatever they may need and so what's nice about that is had this been around when i was young um it would make the process very easy and i can do it from the comfort of my home 
Uh, we live in the Amazon world. So, um, you know, our company is kind of shaped around that type of buying behavior. And, and what's great for the, the companies and the, the pharmacy, the pharma partner, partners that we work with is that we're able to, to get them um, um, a better return for what they're spending. So um, it, it works in a, in, a, in a great way because it, it helps both in the business side and, and then also on the patient, on the patient experience is great. So um, I'm, you know, I, it's something I dreamed up. And I, I have an amazing team around me that has, has kind of figured out how to make all of that work. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, you know, I built anything because I, I really didn't. I just, I just was, you know, from my upbringing, um, I just had this, this passion to, to be able to take the patient and bring them closer to their solution. And that's always been a dream of mine. Um, and when I came to the company, uh, it was a very small company. Um, they were doing less than $6 million a year. And, um, and I just had this vision. I said, why can't we do this? And they, you know, they gave me all these excuses. And like I, like I did, I, I really forced the hand in terms of thinking outside the box. And so um, over the last five years, we have been able to develop this process. And it's, it's been tremendous in terms of being able to help people where they're at and then not to mention COVID happened and our business exploded. So, um, you know, I've been very fortunate um, to, to have the, the team that I have and um, they're doing great work. So that's fantastic, yeah. man. I love that. You know, I, for, for so many reasons, it's, it's a virtual visit for the, to the physician. It, it gets the patients there quicker. So maybe for the, population that, that doesn't have the resources to get to the doctor, they don't have a vehicle, or maybe both parents are at work and it's the kid and they can't miss any work. I mean, this is from home. Everyone has a cell phone. So you're giving the ability for every most every person to seek out health care. And what I also love about it is it's not only for that demographic, but it's also for the folks that are, you know, right now in this current climate, afraid to go outside, afraid to go to a healthcare facility. Um, for, for fear of, of getting something, they can do this from the comfort of their home. And then the streamlined process on the back end that you have with the pharmacy and with the pharmaceutical companies also helps um, navigate those tricky waters with the insurance. So yeah, that's uh, awesome. what's great is, is, you know, I think that's the other part, right, is that the insurance process is, is super seamless and super smooth for the patient end. Um, and, and we, 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 we take care of all of that. And, um, you know, our CTO is, is a genius when it comes to technology. So, um, you know, I figure, you know, we, you know, I said, this would be cool. And he's like, I can build that. And, uh, we, we've made it happen. And so, um, you know, I, I think the, the part is just kind of reimagining our process and making it better. Um, I, I got a car, I can go to the store, but I use Instacart. Why? Because it's more convenient for me. I can hang out with my kids more. It saves me more time. Um, and uh, same reason why we, we shop on Amazon. You know, it's the, right. it, it's, it's the ease of use and the efficiency of the process that, that, um, that, that kind of shapes those behaviors. So um, yeah, it's, it's been an amazing ride and um, I'm very excited for the future. Man, I'm excited to see it. 
Um, I can't wait to uh, to watch you go through the rest of all this and the ses- the success that's going to follow. I, I know hey, it's going to work quick. out well. Hey, yes. what, what is that? Is that a is that a Cavalero behind you? That is a oh that is, good eyes. That is a Mike McGill, but of the same era. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's on, right. I'm a Brigade guy, man. I know that's all those right. guys. That's right. Yeah. Maps to the skaters. Homes, maps to the skaters, homes. <laughs> yeah, my neighbor in San Leo at uh, um, at my other house in San Leo. Uh, what's his name? Chris Cole, uh, my good friend PLG. Um, oh, dang. You know, Steve Caballero, he's constantly riding mountain bikes, you know, in, in La Costa. Awesome. We so, got to get him out. We got to get him out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of good dudes ride, you know. I love it. It's awesome. Hey, Joe, where, if for people who want to follow, you know, maybe they want to look back on on the awesome career you had in the UFC, or they want to see you on the mountain bike, or they want to follow you in your new venture as a, as an investor and business man. By the way, also uh, there was an awesome quote that I saw. I think it was on one of your social medias, and I love it. Um, it was, you know, back in the day, your boys would be saying, "Hey, uh, Joe, I haven't seen you in the club lately," and your response now is. Uh, hey guys, I haven't seen you in the bank lately. <laughs> My deposit uh, on steroids, man. That's right. Hey, I, I, I'm always a clean fighter, but my deposits are on steroids. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so uh, let everybody know where can they follow you? Where where can they follow your journey on social so, media? So you guys can follow me. Um, my Instagram. I don't I don't post much, but I'm always on there. Um, I just because I like watching videos. It's just Joe Duarte, my name, MMA, um, at Joe Duarte MMA, or my Twitter, at Joe Duarte MMA. Um, Facebook, um, Facebook, uh, I I am on there all the time, but I don't post much. Um, so if you do have any questions about business or you need anything, I'm always inspired helping people. I think my true passion, I volunteer, um, I volunteer a couple hours of the week um, to help um, young entrepreneurs, um, you know, just because I, I had the privilege of, of having really good le- leadership. And so I, I do spend a couple hours of my week volunteering, um, helping guide people and young entrepreneurs through, or not even just young entrepreneurs, but just helping people set up their life goal mm-hmm. and, um, and just kind of helping them structure, you know, how they can build their financial plan. I think all too often people think they got to make their money from, from working right so um there's so many different ways to 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 get to the number that you want to get to um obviously the bigger the little bit more stressful um especially when there's zeros a lot of zeros you get a lot of stress but um it's it's possible and um yeah i'm you know i just if you reach out to me i'm i'm always willing to answer any questions or you have business idea I'm probably, if you have a business idea, I'm probably going to tear it apart because <laughs> you succeed. Um, I'm probably going to ask you a lot of difficult questions. Um, one thing is my passion is is um, is finding people, not just young people, but people in general um, that 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 said, you know, hey man, I'm, I want to just try this out. And Roy Kroc, the guy from McDonald's, right? Even though he stole McDonald's, I think. Um, the fact that he didn't even start his career in that until he was like 55 or 57 is pretty amazing. So, yeah. you know, it's never, you're never too, too young or you're never too old to, to start a, uh, 
uh, career. Uh, Warren Buffett, like 50% of his net worth or 75% of it was made after he was 50. So, um, you know, don't, it's never too late. I think people feel trapped sometimes. And I, and I, and if, if you do reach out and I'll, you know, I'll take a look at what you, what you got. And if you don't have anything and you're lost, reach out as well. And I'll, I'll help you out. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Great words from Joe Duarte, everybody. Mentor, family man, businessman, investor, UFC fighter, mountain biker, and my buddy. So, Joe, thank you so much for being on the show tonight, man. I look forward to getting out on the trails with you soon. All right, guys. Take it easy. Thank you. All right. Thank you, brother. Hey, Have a good night. Yay. Right. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>